0: So in this episode, we're delighted to welcome on Sally Grosso, who is a multi award winning clinical hypnotherapist using rapid transformational therapy or RTT for short. And she helps people glide through their upper limits and reach their true potential whilst remaining mindfully authentic in the process. She's passionate about helping people to bust through fears and phobias to enable them to live their lives unbounded. So welcome Sally.
1: Oh, thanks guys. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Welcome for Lee too.
1: Oh, thanks Kev. (laughs) I love that bit in your bio about
0: helping people to bust through fears and phobias, because of course that's exactly why we've invited you on today.
1: Yeah, honestly. It just breaks my heart to think of people living their lives restricted because of these fears and they're often irrational fears some of them not so rational I mean things like creepy crawlies and stuff like that we are wired to not like them because they carry bacteria and stuff like that so it's our it's nature's way of saying don't go anywhere near but we the opposite of love is not hate the opposite of love is indifferent. So when it comes to driving anxieties, you know, specific types of phobias like bridges, lorries, tunnels, things like that, that people get so caught up in their mind about, I help them to reach a point where they don't have to love them. They don't have to hate them, but they're just indifferent. It's like a non-thing, you know, like this squeeze ball that I'm squeezing. It's, just, it's a non-thing. yeah and i think that's the power so that reminds me often we talk about people
0: being neutral i'll often talk about you don't need to be positive or negative actually neutral is a really great place to be particularly when you're driving
2: yeah but that's exactly the same sort of things that i find when people are learning to drive if you go one way or the other make make sure they're not confident or they're overconfident but being in the middle somewhere i say in somewhere in the middle is normally best place to be
1: yeah exactly you you actually want a little bit of anxiety when you're driving but it's how you label it because I think you mentioned Tracy on my podcast that you want that bit of activation you want to be in that sympathetic state if you're not you're half asleep you know and then you you are going to have an accident so But what happens is people tend to link anxiety or when they start to feel a little bit more anxious when they're going past a lorry or going over a bridge or in a tunnel, they link that with, I can't cope. Something's gone wrong in my body. Nothing's going wrong in your body. Your body is supposed to be moving into more into that sympathetic state so that you focus, you know, you need that focus when you're going over a bridge or go past the lorry it's just like if you if you don't have it then that's when the danger occurs because when you're in the sympathetic state if you lean into it actually narrows your focus down like a formula 1 racing driver you know i always in some of my script I always say to people you narrow your focus down like a formula 1 racing driver you know so you get that sense that you're in control you've got this you're driving the car it just feels better
2: yeah (laughs) it's interesting because I'm a I'm going to say I'm a lorry driver I used to drive lorries all the time so I've seen people come past lorries or should I say even attempt to overtake the lorry and then not yeah and that's that resonates with me quite a lot because I've seen a lot of that obviously we we deal with it slightly differently now because I'm now in a car And people are driving past lorries and we try to, you know, deal with the, the skill and what their thoughts are with that. But if it becomes a phobia, how does it become a phobia of driving past a lorry or over a bridge or?
1: Well, phobias become phobias usually because of a traumatic event. Maybe they've had an accident with a lorry or maybe they've had an accident over a bridge or in a tunnel or they've seen something, usually as a child. You know when you watch Jaws and you probably shouldn't have watched Jaws and you're six years old, right? And now you've got a fear of sharks. Okay, when you are a child, your brain, you are literally in hypnosis. So children's brains are wide open and they are so programmable, they are so suggestible. So this is why I worry about social media and TikTok and things like that with the kids watching because they're literally programming themselves. So if a child or even a young adult or anyone really, you know, any age, we can be programmed. If you've seen something on Tenny, if you've seen something on social media, if it's happened to you in real life, because you have to remember that the brain cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined. It's the same thing to the brain. That's why you've just got to be so careful. You create a program in your mind that says must avoid at all costs. And so your nervous system kicks in, overreacts because it wants you to avoid. So we do this process in RTT called Role, Function and Purpose. So we, get, we speak to that part of you that has the fear. So under hypnosis, you'll say, I'm the part of Sally that has this fear of bridges. And my only role in Sally's life is to... And then you put an ending on that sentence and usually it's something along the lines of to stop her and I must stop her because she won't be able to cope or she'll feel out of control or she might die. It's usually those protective aspects of ourselves that really try and limit us. So phobias they're so interesting they're usually irrational they usually come from childhood or something that you've seen or something you've experienced but they can also come from other people like parents if your mom had a fear of driving that might rub off on you i mean i was quite lucky my dad my, although but my my mom did have a fear of driving but my dad was a motorcycle racer and a car racer And we highly passionate about driving. Luckily, I was more like going towards my dad's energy. So I never accrued any sort of fear of driving. Passed first time, loved driving, got my motorcycle license. But his voice, his language, really sort of sunk into my psyche as I, I was growing up. He used to have this expression, put your visor down. And that meant... Put your visor down and just go for it. (laughs) I mean, for people who are a bit cautious, this might not resonate with them. I mean, my dad's 87 now and he still rides his motorbikes. He's got a collection of motorbikes in his garage. So, um, you know, yeah, I've been brought up with a real driving passion and just love it, you know, that feeling of freedom. And this is the thing. This is why I want people to let go of these fears because driving actually gives you so much. You know, you're probably quite passionate, Kev, I would imagine. You probably like driving, don't you? What was it like for you when you were driving the lorries?
2: It's, actually, it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's nothing quite like what you expect it to be. You get a different perspective of the road. You, you're you sitting higher. Yeah. If, because you're driving a big thing that can't move like a car or a bike or something like that, you have to position it someplace. Yeah. that people would not normally expect you to be. Yeah. Which normally means that you take the road up. So that is one of the great things about what I do now. I can bring that into teaching people to drive so they get a better perspective. And I say, well, what would a lorry driver do? Here? Yeah. And we can teach that so people understand a little bit more about lorry driving and where they would be, where they might not be the problems that exist yeah. so they they can sympathize a little bit with lorry drivers more. Yeah. Sympathize is the right word but it's through well,
1: your think, experiences. <laughs> I think what you're saying is we're, your clients can get inside the mind of a lorry driver because they know that you can teach them what the lorry driver is thinking, feeling because nobody wants to get into an accident And I think this is what we have to remember is that we're all working together on the road. A lot of what I see is mistrust and not being able to trust um, other drivers, not being able to understand that everyone is actually on everyone else's own side for the most part. I know obviously you do get those tailgaters, but I think you can just sort of, I I just move out of the way of those if I see them. I, I don't get embroiled I used to get really angry and and they would trigger my own anger but now I just move out of the way and let them pass
0: I'll come back to something that you said about your dad actually where he said about put your visor down and you said for him that meant let's go for it but actually as soon as you said it that triggered something different in me that made me think that was like okay put my visor down and I'm going to focus and pay attention on what I'm doing here which, of course, is part of what he would have been doing as well, yeah. so I think actually anybody you know it's that thing of putting on your putting on your confidence jacket or putting your visor on, ready to drive, ready to pay attention and focus on what you need to do
1: and what needs to be done in the moment, so yeah. I agree. I agree. And that's exactly what he would say. Focusing on the skills that you need in that moment to make sure that you're doing everything that you need to do safely, effectively. And I think there's moments as well that we have when we drive, when we are more like zoomed out, perhaps when we're coasting and we can see that there's no lorries, there's no bridges, there's no tunnels, whatever, there's no dangers, maybe on an open road or something like the M6 toll road, you would just you know sink back and your your focus would be wider and then when you get into a city or when there's more cars on the motorway your focus changes as well and we need that yeah no we need that change of focus i think a lot of it's like working with your own body and trying to understand that like for example when you go over a bridge or in a tunnel or even past a lorry there is a change of sensory perception and I think some people who live on their nerves get triggered by any sense of change within their body. So anyone with underlying anxiety, even if they're going in and out of shops, I know people that can kind of go into a shop and feel anxiety just because the temperature's changed or the visual has changed. Suddenly there's a lot of things to look at and it can be like, oh, I don't know where to put my attention. So that feeling of overwhelm can kick in same with bridges lorries tunnels it's all of it's all of it it's it's like that sensory overload that can make us feel like we can't cope in that moment so what I usually do with people under hypnosis is help them to feel like they can cope so you know you're programming them with you feel comfortable going over a bridge you feel comfortable going past a lorry you do what you need to do you're just this feeling of ease and comfort and going with the flow and you feel safe so all you're doing really is programming the mind with positive suggestions you're telling them how they would like to feel it's just like this mirror you're reflecting back at them how they want to feel how you would like them to feel and when that gets played on repeats, because I've create a recording for my client to listen to every day for 30 days and that repetition really helps the mindset to change in those sorts of situations. It's reinforcing it isn't it and it's
0: all about that interpretation of those sensations so you sort of said that you get sensory overload because of a change of environment or you get sensations from your body and it's all about how do you interpret those sensations and then react to them so i can see that having that recording and reinforcing that every day helps you to change the way that you're interpreting the sensations and how you
1: want to react to them in the future mm. yeah that's that's the end part of the treatment that i do but what is it interesting with the type of treatment that i do is we go into childhood which is super interesting and we look at you know, the the driving story, but also a lot of what I see is uh, I can't trust my capabilities. And so we look at, well, where did you learn that? Who did you learn that from? Did you have a a dad or a mum that had really high expectations of you? Was there a lot of sibling rivalry? Were you expected to be more intelligent or more skillful at something, but actually your skill was somewhere else? Maybe you were a good cook or maybe you were really good singer, but your mum and dad thought you should be a lawyer or a doctor. Now, often I see things like that where the parent's not attuned to the child's energy. And so the child can't become authentic. And then when you've got that, you've got layers of like masking over the top, which is essentially a performance. So the child becomes this performing adult. That has to hold it all together in public but then in private they just sort of fall apart or they don't want to go out they don't want to see people they don't want to socialize or they don't feel that they can like muscle their way in because they feel fake they feel like they're a fraud and it's so odd how this can link to driving too you know, I recently did a session with someone that felt that she couldn't take up space in the world and her phobia was what are people going to think of me when I'm at a roundabout and I'm not going, you know, so her narrative was she, she froze with fear because of what the person behind her might think and she didn't then take up space on the roundabout. She didn't move in when it was her time. She was sort of dithering, if you like, on the sidelines. Yeah. And that all stemmed back from a childhood narrative, a childhood environment that she grew up in. I think these phobias are, are really quite telling.
0: I'm just going to jump in here to let you know about our Drive Calm journal. We've created a 12-week prompt journal to support our listeners to take action and improve driving confidence. The journal includes questions, prompts and exercises to create an action plan and an opportunity for reflection afterwards. Search DriveCalm on Amazon to take a look. We hope it helps.
1: They're not just about lorries or bridges. I mean, bridges tend to be about fear of heights, like the Dartford Bridge. Where do you guys live, by the way? What sort of locale?
2: We're sort of like, imagine Milton Keynes, just south of Milton Keynes. So we don't have massive hills and things like that. Although Yeah,
0: we haven't really got much in the way of bridges and nothing spectacular in the way of We have
2: little humpback bridges.
0: Yes, so we have very small, delicate bridges. (laughs) We've sort of got bridges over dual carriageways, you know, but nothing, nothing, (laughs) nothing major. We have lots of roundabouts. I know, the Milton Keynes roundabout <laughs> cinch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Bridges is this something that we don't actually get to deal with no. very often with people that we work locally, but we have had a few people come up and talk about Dartford Tunnel yeah bridge the other way yeah. and the, the seven bridge as well we've had people
2: to be the diversion they go up into wales and come back down again because they don't want to go over the seven bridge and, it, and it's it's a massive diversion but, yeah. But yeah
1: really it's really debilitating isn't it when that happens when there's that much of a fear and i think as well like whenever i've gone over a bridge i just imagine i'm on the ground and I always think to myself, I don't actually feel like I'm where I am. Like, as if you actually think about it, like anyone even without a phobia could probably scare themselves. <laughs> it's using that power. But I think as well with bridges, they they move, which can be quite off-putting for people. And you get the gust of wind, which can make you feel like you're out of control because suddenly something's moving in the car that's not you. And also as well, like. People that maybe have a fear of water, going over bridges can feel like just a lot. There's a lot of sensory stuff. You're going over water, big open spaces like that agrophobia, fear of heights. And also there's something called megalophobia as well, which is fear of large objects or being close to large objects, which plays into the lorry phobia as well. Like if you're a small thing going past a big thing, and you're right up close to it as well. There's that sense of intimidation that can arise. So yeah, there is there is a lot to be scared of, but it's really how you use your brain and how you I think just, about
2: it. Yeah, I was just about to ask: Is are people, especially bridges? Because I don't have all tunnels. I suppose I, I, I deal with a lot with lorries, obviously, because people know what I do. Yeah, but with lorries, um, with bridges and tunnels, are people? actually telling themselves oh no I'm going into a tunnel oh no I'm going over a bridge I mean, and that's where you come in where you're telling them to think slightly differently but yeah, it's so, like you're you're on the ground
1: yeah 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 definitely like so people with phobias think about the phobia all the time and yeah. they sign their day around um you know the, the fear or the phobia and when it comes to approaching it, you know, sweaty palms, heart rate going like you're actually in real danger. So it's about interpreting it differently and getting them to reassociate the bridge or the tunnel or the lorry with something, well, with just, you're indifferent. I mean, sometimes I do get my clients to actually enjoy going past lorries and, and enjoy driving feel the freedom, you love taking up space, you really own your skills. And often when, see, see, because a lot of it is really to do with how you feel about yourself, when you unpick all that performance stuff and the holding, when you get somebody to understand where it comes from, and now they know where it comes from, they can relax often the anxiety and the phobia just sort of like melts away because they're they're just their nervous system's calmer and so they as they approach the thing that they were scared of they just have a a normal sense of anxiety rather than an irrational sense of anxiety because they're no longer overwhelmed if you can turn down that overwhelm you can often just very easily turn down the the phobia because it's the overwhelm that makes going past something or going into something it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back you're already maxed out and now you've got to go and do this thing you've got no capacity for so it's like if you can bring that energy back into you now you've got the capacity to deal with something slightly scary
2: (gasps) just had a provision there of a dimmer switch yeah. Where you've got the dimmer switches on full beat and it's like, whoa, there's loads of light. And then if you can turn that dimmer switch down, yeah.
1: it's
2: it's lighter, there's you know. That's yeah, the vision I had really. there.
1: You've got more scope. I think that's a the perfect metaphor. Well done. I love that. I'm gonna take
2: that. I'm gonna leave now. It's my, my Friday done. I've finished.
1: You too. I love it. Brilliant double
0: <laughs> I think The other thing that I heard in there as well was that actually the aim isn't to try and get rid of all anxiety completely altogether. And you said right at the very beginning, and I agree with this, we need a little bit of anxiety so that we are on alert and we are on the lookout. So it's having a, it's being willing to drive Yeah, with a little bit of that anxiety alongside and being okay with that instead of trying to eradicate it all completely. I think a lot of people have the goal of trying to get rid of anxiety completely. And we will often say to people that we're working with that they haven't given themselves enough credit that to be driving with anxiety alongside is far more impressive than for somebody else driving with no anxiety whatsoever. So it's about, you know, taking that credit and being willing to have a little bit of anxiety and drive anyway and then be really proud of your success instead of thinking, oh, well, I drove but I still felt anxious and then beating themselves up about it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think many people feel like they have failed if they've driven but it's been quite an anxious experience. Yeah, I definitely credit where credit's due. I think it is hard to exist. But then also asking that question, why do I have so much overwhelm? Because for me, anxiety comes about as a result of overwhelm. So are you doing too many things? Are you trying to take in too much sensory stuff? So when you're on a bridge, for example, you don't really need to look. Over there, right over there. You just need to look (laughs) at where you are. You need to look at the car in front. I'm just trying to put myself on the road now. What do you need need to look in your mirrors? I don't want to get any point (laughs) for this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not judging at all. You
1: don't want any driving instructors emailing you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to have a few, you know, let's say a perimeter and a, a few cars in front. But apart from that, you shouldn't be looking at the structure. I'm sorry, but I know it might be fascinating. That's for the passenger. You've yeah. got a job to do. You've got to get over that bridge. You've got to get to the other side and and stop focusing on where you are. It's just a road. That road could be on the ground. That road could be a million miles in the sky. You know, it's just a road. And, and I get my clients to visualize the hires meeting the road like Velcro. It's like the rubber meets the road and the tires stick to the road like glue and you're just rolling along and you're grounded and strong and you know know what you're doing. So that's another little we're playing with metaphor because the subconscious Mm -hmm. mind loves a metaphor like your dimmer switch. That's brilliant. I love that. But any kind of metaphor will do the job for the subconscious because the subconscious can in that moment can easily remember oh it's just a dimmer switch or oh it's just velcro and you make the metaphor specific to the person's phobia so when I'm taking a consultation when I'm writing it all out what they're saying to me they will be really descriptive about what it is about lorries or bridges that they don't like you know they can tell you to the nth degree So then you turn it all around and create something that is more hopeful, more exciting, more enticing, or enables a feeling of safety, really within them. So yeah, yeah, and I
0: love that the tires like Velcro on the road, and yeah, that I could feel that when you said it, I could feel it. So I think I could imagine that being really successful for people.
2: It's not for me because Velcro sticks, yeah. doesn't it? I'll be slowing
0: down. Is that like, that... <laughs> I don't... I... But then just scared, so and matters, just... it... to the a person who's that. It depends uh, what your
1: fear uh, is, right? And it exactly, depends what yeah. is poignant for you because that that metaphor might be rubbish for someone that's got a fear of being too slow, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like for that client I was telling you about that actually needed to like get on that get roundabout. I wouldn't do a Velcro one for her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, no, that makes so much sense. That's yeah. the Yeah. Good. Oh, I'm
2: pleased. So with sort of like phobias and I tend not to deal with people that are really, really phobic and on a scale of sort of like eight and over on a yeah. scale of zero to ten, this, you know, that's probably something that needs further examination. Yeah, like therapist. That yeah. sort of thing. But people are lower than that that can do a bridge, that can go over the Dartford crossing. Yeah. But it absolutely petrifies them. Yeah. You know, so they're not on that big scale, but it, the, the palms are sweating, the hearts going, in, the, everything, you know, they're gripping the wheel tight. Is there anything that I can do as an instructor that's going to help them or is there anyone that's listening to this podcast and then just try a couple of things to do?
1: Hmm, so just sort of like tips in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, because it really depends on like what it is that they're telling themselves. Yeah. So I would try and elicit what they're telling themselves, why they don't like the bridge and get them, like they can do it themselves as an exercise to write down a reframe using one of the metaphors. Um, and so what, what this is doing is tapping into their creativity, tapping into their own innate power uh, and wisdom, internal wisdom. We call them like a higher sense. And that's the sense of perception, sense of like being connected to all that is. And creativity is one of those like higher senses. Get them to play music as they do this exercise to really enliven the sense and just yeah, get them to write out a, a metaphor. And then when they're about to go over the bridge, just keep replaying that metaphor over and over again. And maybe actually what could be a, a good idea is to create or find a piece of music. Now, these can only really be done, I suppose, if someone else is in the car changing the Spotify thing for them or they could line yeah. it up ready. But any kind of music that triggers a sense of empowerment, a sense of groundedness, because, again, music operates on that extrasensory perception so we're bypassing the rational mind we're going straight to the nervous system straight to the feeling sense straight to those senses that are a bit magical a bit woo we don't really understand them fully yet but that take us to that place of groundedness feeling secure in themselves. That, that's what I would do with someone, but then, you know, that's how I operate in on that sort of level. But I think, I think you could do that because there's some pieces of classical music, for example, that are deeply, that evoke real, real feelings in the body. When, when I, I had spinal surgery, um, 15, 12, 13 years ago. And my therapist at the time said, I want you to write a letter to your future self saying how it all went.
2: Mm.
1: Right? You could do this. When I went over the Dartford Bridge, I felt so empowered. All the while listening to Gladiator, right? I felt so empowered. I felt amazing. I really felt the rubber on the road. I My focus was sharp. I felt like I was doing this incredibly crafted ballet with all of the other cars Um, i felt safe i've never felt so safe in my life i i was so proud of myself my heart rate was steady and strong like I, i felt brave i felt courageous wow aren't i amazing okay so you've done that you've written that letter to yourself all the while listening to gladiator and so now Listening to Gladiator is an anchor for what you've just written. So then you don't need to try and read it while you're going over the Dartford Bridge. No, you just listen to Gladiator and it will install the same feeling. Now, what you could do, if you are tech savvy, you could record yourself saying all of those words to yourself. To, you know that future letter and then maybe put some nice music underneath it and then you could listen to that a few times a day you could listen to that in the car if it was appropriate um, and somebody else could switch it on for you before you're going into the the tunnel or the bridge yeah you see, it's like really yeah. utilizing all of these wonderful sensory capacities that we've got you've got to make it Almost like five dimensions, if that yes. exists, rather than thinking, I feel safe, I can do this, like add other things to it. That, yeah. And it's, oh, yeah. It sounds amazing.
0: It sounds I always want something so that I can go with doing it. You want a phobia so you can practice. Well, actually, I don't want to practice what mine would be because mine would be driving into water, wouldn't it? Whenever I see that on the TV, I'm like, oh, that's my biggest fear when the cars yeah. go into water. It, does, it doesn't bother me going over a bridge because I don't believe I would go off no. the bridge, if you see what I mean. But, yeah, the actual driving near the canal might be.
2: We're trying it. Oh, you... I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it with you, my clients, anyway. Yeah, yes,
1: yeah, definitely. I'm going to try
2: it And basically it's all about them as well, isn't it? It's got literally nothing to do. And I love things like this because when it's nothing to do with me and it comes from them, they start to really take control of it and empower themselves, don't they?
1: Yeah, and that's when you get a change. When the client has empowered themselves and done it themselves, they realize how powerful they are. And, yeah, from there they can start to take back their life again.
2: As I say, it
1: it goes beyond phobias and into real self-empowerment. Because once you make one big change like this, then suddenly it
0: opens up everything, doesn't it? It's like, wow, if I can do that, if I can change that, what else can I change? What else am I capable of? So it's it's far-reaching. Oh, that's brilliant. So, yes, I mean, definitely anybody who's (laughs) listening, if you give that a go let us know, let Sally know as well, because we, we all three of us, would love to hear, wouldn't we? If um, yeah. somebody gives it a go and gives it a try, let us know how you get on with it.
1: You've got to do the work. You know, you got to, this is the thing most people go, most people are looking for an outside solution. Because all mm. I'm doing, someone comes to me for a hypnotherapy session is I'm empowering them to make the changes in the same way you're empowering your client. Clients come to you, they don't know what to do. And so you say, okay, I've got this, this thing, this um, process that can help you. Let's go through the process together. But actually you're doing it. The client's doing it. There's not the therapy that's doing it. It's the client that's doing it. If the client were to do it on their own, it would still have the same impact. It's just they're coming to you for a little bit of an elevated experience.
0: Yeah, for a little bit of guidance. And so much of what you've said resonates with the messages that we give on the podcast all the time. So doing the detective work, yes. finding out the information instead of just staying at that level of, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm, you know, I I have a phobia. So doing the detective work, finding out more. And then, yes, that you can't just wave a magic wand. You need to put some effort in. You need to engage with the process. Yeah. You need to do something yeah because it won't just happen overnight like magic it doesn't you have to do, you have to get in there get your hands dirty
1: yeah it's like trying to bake a cake without mixing the ingredients you've actually you've got to mix the ingredients you've got to put it in the oven yeah, yeah. if you just sit there looking at the ingredients it won't happen yeah oh that's good. I love that. It's it's really course. Course. But, uh, uh, I know how to talk to the subconscious. Yeah, the <laughs> so, so not so by the sounds of it. I was just,
2: you know, I was just thinking about a cake, and just thinking about eating that cake now.
1: It's about that time, so might
2: have to go shopping now.
0: So Sally, when we invited you on, was there anything that you were thinking? Oh, I hope they ask me about this. Or is there anything that you that you were hoping to be able to say in the episode that we haven't covered that
1: we haven't touched on? I don't think so. I think we've covered so much. I think I just want to reiterate what I said at the start, and that is, you don't have to live with this, and uh, these are these are self-imposed limitations that you've given your power away to. You've given your power away to the phobia, the fear. It's really disempowering. And I know people listening might go, yeah, but I don't want to do that. I like, it's genuinely, I feel at a loss. I feel out of control. I totally get how debilitating it is. I'm just saying you don't have to live with it. There are things that you can do. You can work with you too. You can work with me. Find someone who you resonate with. um, If any of this makes sense, you know, let that be your guide. Trust your intuition, your intuition, your spidey sense will let you know if if any of this is relevant for you and trust that. And also know that you're not beyond help. I think many people get stuck thinking that they can't be helped, they've tried everything. They almost like get stuck in this sense of hopelessness and that really perpetuates the phobia. You know, the world is a very, very big place and we haven't tried everything, there is always another way of looking at things, there's always another perspective, there's always another thing for you to try. So let's not sink into a sense of hopelessness and despair thinking that we're gonna be lumbered with this forever. Hope and looking at things differently very much is the first stage and a very important stage for recovery of any kind of phobia, even, Something like depression, which can be really sticky. The first stage is always feeling like change is possible. And so if you're listening to this, take that as a sign that change is absolutely possible. I'm a big believer that your, your, your spidey sense is telling you what the next port of call is for you. And you don't have to be limited Sometimes I think our phobias can be our greatest gifts in the end because they can help us when we learn how to navigate them and to overcome them and to get their gifts. We understand our capacity, our human potential, our nature, um, and it's so inspiring. So, yeah, you don't have to put up with it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. So... On that note, how do people find you, Sally? I've got a website, which is sallygarozzo.com. Um, there's lots on there. I've got my my Instagram, which is Sally Mind Mentor. If anyone's interested in the menopause, I have a menopause podcast, which you've Which been is very on. good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Tracy came on that and spoke about fear of driving, which yeah. often comes up at menopause. It's called the menopause mindset. And yeah, I'll be delighted to hear from anyone, even if you just got a question. Fantastic.
0: Lovely. Sally, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing so much information. It's been brilliant.
2: Hey, I'm making my Friday with a dimmer switch.
1: Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me, you two. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening.
0: Find out about the different ways that you can work with us on our website, www.confidentdrivers.co.uk and begin to transform the way you feel about driving.